While Scrum both predates Agile and is a framework that people often don't associate with specific practices, it still has become a widely adapted form of Agile. Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Black, Assistant Site Editor of Search Software Quality, and welcome to another episode of the Test and Release Podcast, where we discuss a variety of software testing and software development topics. In this installment of the podcast, SSQ Site Editor David Cardi talked to Gunther Van Hein, a Belgium-based Scrum caretaker and author of Scrum, A Pocket Guide. In Dave's conversation with Verhein, he talks about what aspects of Scrum Verhein elaborated upon in the recently released second edition of his book. They discuss how in a software development landscape where the meaning of Agile has been somewhat diluted, Scrum provides a means to actually be Agile, as opposed to just sticking the prefix in front of traditional, industrial as Verhein calls it, roles, silos, phases. Then later, Verhein breaks down how the framework's rules can get teams to think in terms of products, not projects be serious about removing development obstacles, and more. Let's talk about Agile first. From your perspective, how advanced is Agile adoption, uh, as far as you can tell? In, in a way, David, to be honest, advanced and at the same time quite confusing also. Because uh, over the years, you know, Agile came from uh, the Agile Manifesto back in 2001, became really, started to become really huge, sort of what we say, across the chasm around 2005, 2006. But with the success of Agile, and over, over the years, everybody wanting to become more Agile, sort of the meaning of the world also got lost a little bit. So in that sense, a lot of organizations, and, and honestly, I think Agile sort of took over the world. But in that taking over of the world, a lot of confusion also arose by the meaning getting lost a little bit. So it's sort of a double-sided, double-sided story. Now we can only cherish the, the success and the huge adoption, obviously. Um, it's where I feel my focus on Scrum is really helpful. Sure. Because if I try to explain Agile to people, I, I always try to go for the most simplest thing that might possibly work, which is one of the Agile principles too for me. And I've been thinking about this a lot, and it started boiling down for me to the point where I just explain Agile is just, it's a synonym for adaptive. What we often see, fixed, rigid approaches. Agile means adaptive. But then, how do you become adaptive? How do you do that? And that's where, for me, Scrum is really powerful. So by Agile, the manifesto, you know, four value statements, 12 principles, very beautiful. Meaning got lost, although it's, it's, it's really great. But if I talk to people and introduce Agile just as another word for being adaptive, that, that resonates a little bit. Yeah, it helps simplify it for those people, sure. And, and, I, and I do want to ask you about Scrum as well, but how have you seen that meaning of Agile uh, misconstrued? Or what are some of the misconceptions you've heard about uh, Agile development? Well... I don't know whether it's a misconception, but with the success of Agile and Agile taking over the world, and, and, and what I like to say, like we were dominated, our beautiful world of certainly IT, software development, product development, was dominated by a sort of industrial approach, uh, linear thinking, sequential, uh, large phases and so on, uh, separation of people and skills. And Agile tried to uh, turn around that world, and actually we did, we succeeded in that, so that's what I call Agile taking over the world. Now, when Agile took over the world, you've got this strange, it's a very human thing. Success attracts people. 
And a lot of people just went for the label and not really, let's say, being bothered by understanding the context, the meaning, the content behind the words. Sure. So that's sort of one of the downsides of success. So Agile become huge. And then suddenly everybody st started using Agile as sort of the new prefix of things. You had Agile analysts and Agile architects and Agile this and Agile phases and so on. And in that whole process of large quantities of people and organizations taking over that, that prefix, the actual meaning got a little bit lost. So um, that's, that's what I saw happening. And the misconception is probably when a lot of people from, can I call it that, sort of the old industrial world? Sure, sure. They, let's say they, they felt in a way the urgency, the need, even the pressure or the stress even to become more agile. Because agile means adaptive. Now, who doesn't have to be adaptive nowadays in our economies, uh, smart, quick-turning businesses, turnarounds of things and so on. Nothing, nothing is like stable anymore. That's sort of the feeling we get, right? So everybody needs to be adaptive. Now, a lot of people started calling what they did adaptive without really understanding what it actually meant. Because what we try to achieve at Agile is becoming adaptive by working in short iterations, short cycles in time, joining forces, collaborating across barriers across borders, certainly across silos and departments and, and function descriptions and so on. And, and that sort of underlying idea of how to become agile, how to become adaptive, that got strongly lost. It's certainly in, in, in large organizations. So they started trying to be agile within, let's say, the, the old constraints, the old departments, the old silos. And, and that was certainly not really helpful. Now people are slowly figuring that out, so they're getting to the real meaning, but it takes them so much time, a lot of, lot of delays, and it takes them years and years and years to get, to get to the, let's say, the true meaning of Agile and how to achieve that. Right, so, and so, one way that you can do that is, is with uh, Scrum, which you've worked yeah. uh, with quite a bit over the years. I'm yeah. curious, do you consider Scrum a more preferable option to some other approaches, whether it be extreme or lean programming, and uh, why would you consider Scrum a better option? Well, it's not, fortunately, I love Scrum a lot. I've, I've been doing it since 2003, so so imagine that uh, it's going to be 16 years this year. And, and, and luckily, it's not sort of about me. It's mm -hmm. about the world and, and practitioners and, and, and people facing complexity and complex challenges. And, and from every survey, it seems that Scrum is just the largest or the most adopted method or I call it definition of Agile in a way. Now, you just mentioned extreme programming. It's sort of fascinating because, you know, do, do you know, David, by the way, how old Scrum actually is? I don't. No. Oh. Well, it was, it was sort of born or it was sort of um, actually came into the world in 1995. Imagine it's going to be 22 years this year in 2019. <laughs> so it was 1995. That, that's amazingly old, right? Now, in 2001, um, Agile uh, came to our world as, as, as a term. It was obviously already an English word, but it was mm -hmm. given to uh, something that we call Agile software development. Now, that was in 2001, 
So right, that's when the Agile Manifesto came out, right? Yes. So seventeen people gathered in in Utah, ski resort in in, in the US somewhere, in a snowbird, uh, mm-hmm. because they felt they were all representing, let's say, different methods, and and the two most known, let's say, methods by that time were actually Scrum, but what you just mentioned, extreme programming, and by that time, even certainly in Europe. And I'm, I'm assuming sort of the same in the US. Extreme program was even more known than Scrum was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the success of Agile, the manifesto, people started signing the manifesto, pledging to it, believing in it, and so on. Quite unexpected success, certainly for those 17 people that had created the Agile manifesto. Over the years, uh, Scrum and extreme programming, extreme programming are still the most known ways to become or ways to to be agile let's say but scrum sort of outgrew xp extreme programming a lot so scrum became the most popular way of being agile and that just continues the the unfortunate uh, effect of that that's um, scrum and extreme programming they really blended in together a lot because extreme programming like the, like the name says had a sort of extreme focus on programming or development how to do proper good modern development so it was focusing a lot on practices where scrum was trying to give a sort of managerial how to manage the work so a sort of management on organizing framework now you can't just organize stuff and not have good development practices in place and that's what happened a little bit with scrum the focus on applying, using, employing good practices within the organizational framework, that got lost a little bit. So that's sort of unfortunate, but we can we, we can still keep stressing the importance of that. But people, unfortunately, don't associate Scrum necessarily with great practices or great development. And that's because Scrum, by design, leaves that open for people. Scrum is like you may know in, in a framework that tries on what we call empirical process control or in short empiricism. That's just an, uh, a nice name to say that Scrum tries completely, completely under process of regular inspections and adaptations. So Scrum does no more than just lay down the sort of very bare, very minimal framework that people use to regularly inspect and adapt. Inspect where they stand so that they can uh, take the proper or make up proper adaptations. And and the hope or the belief, but it seems to be a little bit naive, that by helping people inspect and adapt regularly, that all the problems they were facing, all the challenges, but also the opportunities and the, the nice possibilities that they were seeing, that, they will, that people would automatically start focusing on them and, and just capitalizing on what Scrum was revealing for them. And that's not always happening. It's also an effect of that long history of industrial work or industrially organizing our work that people are not used to adapting that much. People are used to doing what they are told to do, like in, in, in sort of instruction-wise, right. uh, and just stand there, look at the past, report out, log things, report stuff, but that not act upon that. So we, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. So Scrum is the most adapted method for Agile around the world, bigger than extreme programming, and that's a bit unfortunate because the two could go very well together. But let's be happy because 
the most adapted framework in the world that is huge. It means that millions of people around the world are using applying Scrum in some way. And I, I'd rather go into people that are doing Scrum and help them get more out of Scrum rather than still having them to convince them to go for something tangible like Scrum. And that's, that's for me the most important advantage of Scrum. Scrum helps people to become more agile. So agile being adaptive, Scrum has a very simple lightweight set of uh, ways to actually become adaptive. And just going and saying you now have to become adaptive, where that was almost like forbidden for let's say a couple of decades, it's not helpful. It is more helpful to people to say to people, hey, being adaptive really important nowadays, and is at least a good starting point. Here's Scrum. It's right. actionable, it's tangible, it's got some rules, some lightweight rules that really are very helpful for people. Right, and it seems like organizations are getting that more and more as time goes on. Yes, yes. It, and, uh, you know, you, re you released the first edition of your of your book, Scrum, A Pocket Guide, uh, about six years ago, and yep. it just released the second edition. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen, uh, what has changed in that time? Uh, you know, what, what's some of... Um, some new developments that you had that you included in the second edition of your book? Well, some new developments. I don't know whether there are actually really new developments. There's at least one one big finding at least that Scrum is certainly outgrowing or, or transcending whatever you want to call it. It's going certainly very strongly beyond software development. So what we achieved with Scrum a lot in let's say the first 15, 20 years of Scrum, that we help people get over the idea that everything had to be organized in projects, so limited in time and so on. We help people focus on products again. So we help people overcome the idea that Agile was just another way to do project management. So, so it was more focused on product development. And, and product development itself is a complex work. It happens in very complex circumstances, hence the need for empiricism, inspection, adaptation. Now, complexity is everywhere not just in IT, not just in software development, not just even in product development. It's in all domains of society. So more and more people are faced with complexity, which you could say is unpredictability, high degrees of uncertainty. And as Scrum is so huge, certainly in software and in product development in general, in other domains of society, people are discovering, hey, we are faced with complexity. Here are the, the product development guys, they're using something that's called Scrum. So Scrum is certainly going beyond, let's say, the borders or the barriers of, of product development into lots of other domains. So I wanted my second edition to be a little bit more generic in the description of the rules and the purpose of the rules of Scrum, because that's what I essentially wanted to do with my little pocket guide. Highlight, not just repeat the rules of Scrum, because they're in the Scrum guide, a short document, 19 pages only. Uh, I wanted to elaborate a lot on the purpose of the rules. Why do we have those rules in place? What problems are we trying to tackle with those rules? So a lot of, about the why of Scrum, the purpose of the rules. And I wanted to, to make them a little bit, the descriptions a little bit more generic than sort of closely tied into software or product development. That was one thing. And obviously also in my own way of explaining Scrum, I keep evolving. I keep using different terms, different ways of expressing Scrum. So in that sense, it, I wrote the first version, like, like you said, six years ago. 
the way I express and explain Scrum to people has not stopped changing either. So it was just an update. A lot of small terms, small things. I have kept the overall structure in place, which means I try to give some sort of history, like what I just explained on uh, the Agile Manifesto, Scrum 1995, going into a little bit of the historic history of why we call it Scrum, actually. So a bit of history, then going into Scrum itself. And what I've tried to do with my book, and I, that's the structure I'm keeping in place, help people distinguish sort of the core, let's say, mandatory rules of Scrum, what you have to do in order to call it Scrum. And then, but that's just at the level of the rules, sort of what are we home to achieve with those rules, and then distinguish that from how to apply those rules, let's say tactics to play the game. So the rules sure. of the game, and then tactics to play the game, and try to be a little bit forward-looking also by looking into the future. Sure. So terminology, different ways of explaining Scrum, a couple of things that I found really interesting in the classes I teach, the consulting I do, speaking at events, what resonates with people, um, highlight a little bit more. And, and so it's, in that sense, it's a huge update because mm -hmm. it's a lot of tiny updates, really fundamental, but still it feels very, I feel for myself at least very refreshing. Right, and I think those conversations make sense. Uh, you know, you obviously want to include what's relevant to the people that use Scrum. So I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and kind of along the same note, you know, here in the U.S., Scrum Master positions and skills are on the rise. Can you explain the role of a Scrum Master, how it might differ from a more traditional project planner or administrator? Um, and is there a type of person or skill set that's a natural fit for a Scrum Master position? The idea, the idea of Scrum Master was like sort of more like in, I don't know, with fighting sports and, and so on, martial arts and so on. It reflected the idea of mastery. So a Scrum mm -hmm. Master is a person with some level of mastery in Scrum. Now, a Scrum Master is only one of the three roles in Scrum. By the way, mm -hmm. I like to call them more like accountabilities because roles is still... The word role still reflects the idea, the old idea of industrial things. So um, a Scrum Master is somebody with mastery in Scrum who's going to work with the two other accountabilities in Scrum, which is the product owner. And, and, and that word should almost be taken literally, the owner of a product, which, mm -hmm. by the way, is a, is, is a, is a huge... Uh, let's say has some huge growth potential too in the application of Scrum. And then the third role is development team. So what is the Scrum Master doing? Somebody with mastery in Scrum, helping those two roles plus the outside world understand Scrum better, understand the rules of Scrum better, um, helps those roles in the outside world apply the rules of Scrum better, but from what we call a servant leader position. So Scrum Master is somebody with authority but no power. And that makes it so fascinating. How can you have two other roles and the world outside of those roles? How can you help them understand Scrum better without the ability to sort of instruct them what to do? Sort of command and control-ish types of things. So a person with mastery in Scrum, um, at the same time, somebody who knows when to take up a stance of being more like a coach or a mentor or even a teacher, when to actively, actively step in and almost intervene, when to sort of step back. And what I think is very important for a Scrum Master is rather than focusing on 
the rules of Scrum and, and sort of be an instructor of the rules of Scrum help people grow better relationships. The product owner and the development team, but also product owner, development team and the Scrum Master as a whole with the organization and, and towards the market, but certainly with managers, other teams, other people or parties that they are dependent of. So, and, and the Scrum Master is there to help everybody within the team and beyond the team understand and actually enact Scrum. So it sounds like a Scrum Master's work uh, could vary quite dramatically from one organization to another, right? I mean, everybody's got their own organizational and internal challenges. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So one of, one of the things is one very explicit, let's say, demand or task we have for a Scrum Master is what we say to remove impediments. Mm -hmm. So to go into that a little bit, so a team, development team in Scrum, and, and at sort of at the next step, the, the combination of product owner, Scrum master and development team, we often call that a Scrum team. So a development team and a Scrum team as a whole are what we call self-organizing units. They thrive on self-organization. That means in Scrum, I already said that Agile is all about iterative incremental work. In Scrum, we call iteration sprints. So that means self-organization at least means that within a sprint, that collection of people and accountabilities, they organize their own work. Nobody outside of the team tells them how to organize their work within a sprint. Now that's already a sort of dramatic, dramatic change uh, with regards to what you started your question with, describing what is a traditional project leader or almost like task instructor. Uh, instructor. Nobody, there is no role like that in Scrum. A development team as, as a collective of people, they decide for themselves who's going to do what at what point in time. But all against the idea that within a sprint, at least by the end of the sprint, possibly sooner, they want to have what we call a releasable version of product ready. Because Scrum with its roots in product development, that's the goal. And, and the Scrum Master is there to help them understand that purpose of Scrum, uh, become better at it. And in that sense, it's funny that a Scrum Master is there to help them self-manage better. So how can we, as a, as a unit, a collection of people, how can we manage ourselves better? And that's sort of the idea of servant leadership, facilitation, coaching, challenging questions. So Scrum Masters have lots of techniques to help a team within an organization become more self-organizing, self except command and control. But a self-organizing unit might face problems that they cannot fix for themselves. That might transcend their powers, their abilities. And that's what we call impediments. And that's where the Scrum Master has an explicit demand from Scrum to remove impediments. Any blocking problem, anything that is hindering, slowing down the team, but that they cannot fix themselves. That's for the Scrum Master to make sure it gets removed. And that is often in an that's Impediments are often in the organization. Procedures, processes, bureaucracy, I don't know, administrative stuff that people have to go through, uh, governance for no other reasons than producing piles of documents and so on. That is often hindering a team a lot. It's not contributing, it's not adding value. So working on impediments, that's a very important thing for a Scrum Master to do. Right, and it can pop up in so many different ways, like you said. Yes. Um, 
And, uh, and let me ask you this, just my last question here, Unter. How, how does DevOps change the equation for Agile or for Scrum? And, um, and where do you see Scrum going in the next few years? So I already, already said that in Scrum, we have those three accountabilities. The, the, let's say that one of the accountabilities is what we call a development team. It's a group of people and it's one role, one accountability. Their accountability is to make sure that by the end of every sprint, that short cycling time of two to three at most four weeks, that by the end of that sprint or earlier, they have what we call a releasable version of product. Now, in order to produce a releasable version of product, you always need multiple skills within a development team. Mm -hmm. You need, I know, testing, documenting, it's not just coding, lots of stuff, uh, some analyzing some stuff within a sprint, designing stuff and so on, all done concurrently. So a development team has all of the skills and the expertise needed to produce a releasable version of product, which like the previous one you just said, it's going to be highly dependent on the context, the technology, the product, the market, the users, the organization. So that's where Scrum already allows flexibility. Now in a lot of organizations, what happened is that they started using Scrum for, let's say, from a sort of limited interpretation or understanding of the term development. Mm -hmm. So there was still a huge separation between what is called development, creating a releasable version of product, and then operations or ops, uh, maintaining, supporting, logging or, or monitoring stuff and so on, keeping it up and running. Now, what the DevOps movement, big, the biggest advantage of the DevOps moving is was focusing people's minds, organizations, uh, managers, CIOs, CTOs, IT managers, on, on the idea that, you know what, a successful product is not just successful development. You also have to be able to maintain it and support it and, and, and monitor it. So they wanted to focus a lot on dev plus ops should work together. They, they call it themselves a cultural thing, a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's perfectly compatible with Scrum, because in a development team, you have to think what is a releasable version of product. And that's hopefully not just a version of product that is has been created and produced, but is also maintainable, supportable. So in a development team in Scrum, that might consist of dev and ops and lots of other skills. So they're very compatible. So big advantage, the DevOps movement is focusing people's idea of mind on the fact that it's not just development, it's also operations is also required, which is perfectly compatible with Scrum. Interesting, because you hear you hear sometimes about how Agile and DevOps are kind of pitted against each other. And um, I mean, it sounds like they're more complementary than adversarial uh, is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I know some people say that DevOps is sort of the next phase of Agile or the next... I think, you know what, honestly, I think that's a lot of with messaging and maybe marketing or promoting themselves. I see DevOps just as a culture that's a perfect fit for, for Agile. It's just focusing on a very important aspect on how to align development and operations. And and that brings up stuff like automation of stuff. So it's it's really it's really it's really cool, but they're certainly not fighting each other and they're not contradicting each other even on the opposite, they really enforce each other, yeah. And, and and Scrum has, let's say, the tools, the rules to actually do DevOps and be agile. Interesting. Well, thank you for the time, Hunter. This has been really informative.
Yeah. Okay. Thank you for having me on uh, on the show, David. I look forward to the release of this. Thank you so much. Once again, the second edition of Gunther's Scrum Pocket Guide is out now. Also, please check out searchsoftworkquality.com for more articles on application development, testing, and version control topics. And follow us on Twitter at softwaretest.tt. 